Hello and welcome to Do Not Steal, an original character podcast. Um, I messed up the intro last time and then it's just created eternal doubt in me. I'm never going to be able to do the intro right yeah. for the rest of the podcast. It's about tabletop criticism but and ROCs. <laughs> there we go. I'm the fuck up Olivia Joseph. Hi, Olivia Joseph. Uh, Who are you? I don't know. That's for you to find out. Um, fuck. <laughs> I'm Hannah Yolo? You have to do it normal. We have a guest. <laughs> no. You can't screw around with the format when there's a guest waiting. Never. It's fine. I know who she is. Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually why you started this podcast. Is just like figure out who this person is that keeps joining Discord voice calls with you. <laughs> who is she? Maybe. Uh, I'm like sitting in my room and I'm like, aha, uh-huh. maybe if I have her create enough characters, there'll be enough of her in the characters that I can triangulate and just kind of figure out her deal <laughs> from roughly 50 tabletop characters. All right, cool. Now we know how long this podcast is going to last. Here's what I've got so far. Yeah. Hot. Evil. Okay. Nice. Yes. Sad question mark? Yeah, I think that those are like my four like main RPG like s- points that I've invested stuff into. <laughs> you've got on your character sheet you've got the little bullet points. Okay, I'm fucking around too much. We have a guest. We do have a guest. Hi. Do I introduce myself or yeah, okay. Please do. I'm Please Sylvie do. Claire. I'm on a tabletop show called Friends of the Table. It's nice to be here. Um Hi, Sylvie. Welcome. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you as a, as a way to introduce you. Do you have any previous experience with either tabletop or vampires? Who, me? Who, mm-hmm. me? Never. Who, you? I've yeah. never. I don't, th- I don't think those two <laughs> things would ever be associated with me ever in my life. <laughs> Are um, you currently playing a vampire in a tabletop game like right currently, now? Currently. Actually, I shouldn't spoil the show. Um... <laughs> I did for a while. I do okay. for a while. I don't know how to talk about this now. It's hard. Having a ongoing release schedule and then also trying not to, uh, like, trying to be understanding of the fact that a lot of people have backlogs of our show is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sure. uh, yeah. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. And and so, I mean, apparently I thought we were choosing the game, you know, in, in recognition of Sylvie's interests, but I guess not. <laughs> so our entirely, our entirely unrelated game for this month is called Knight's Black Agents by Kenneth Height? Kenneth Hitt? Kenneth Height. What are we feeling for that? Kenneth Height. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, chose, North- I chose this game system specifically to bully Sylvie. <laughs> Uh, because it is not just a vampire game; it is a game about being vampire hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, although mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself so much with this, but I do just want to note very quickly that there is a sidebar in the the book that's like, "What do I do if I want to play the good vampire?" And the answer is basically like, if it was up to me, no one would ever play this character. <laughs> but fine, here are the rules for it, since I know you guys are not going to stop asking. God. That, 
That sidebar was the most sourpuss-ass thing I've read. It's, yeah. <laughs> I read it and I was like, what are you doing making tabletop? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, clearly, clearly you're mad. <laughs> clearly you hate tabletop players. Because somebody's going to want to play the vampire. You know what, though? Sometimes tabletop players have it coming. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about making fun of tabletop players. That's the thing. It's like, on the one hand, you, you sound like an extremely sour bitch, but on the other, like, bullying tabletop players and, like, being mad at them is one of the, the best things you can do in this world. Okay. How about we just bully tabletop players about things that I wouldn't want to do? Can we bully tabletop players for things that I don't have any, like, recognition? Oh, so what in? you're saying is that you're in this picture and you don't like it. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I'm not wedded, I'm, uh, you know, uh, it's not like I need to play the good vampire, but, like, I could play a good vampire. I could even play a bad vampire. This is a game about being, like, uh, intelligence assets, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, You do a lot of fuck shit. That's the game, basically. It is a, it is about a group of spies smugglers um intelligence people in europe who discover evidence of a vampire conspiracy and have to hunt it down and destroy it before the vampires destroy them yeah Yeah. um it uses what is called the gumshoe system uh which was created by fellow named robin laws in 2007 uh, this game itself came out in 2012, so, um, you know, they kind of had time to, like, iterate on it. Um, and the gumshoe system at, like, the very, very base, like, kind of elevator pitch of it is, like, oh, we wanted to make a detective system, an investigative system, where the fact that, like, roles are a thing wouldn't get in the way of, like, these investigations. Um, so, like, you know, we'll get into it more a little later, but, like, Notably, it's impossible to fail at like your basic investigative roles in this system. Um, mm-hmm. So they're, they're they're trying to like make it a little more of like a, a player empowering type of thing where you don't just have to be like, well, fuck me. I, d- I guess I don't get any questions to ask because I rolled a four on this. Mm-hmm. You have like uh, every player character has these things called investigative skills. And if they're in a position to use their investigative skills to find a clue that helps them like unravel their mystery uh the you know the rule is that they find it and ex you know kind of like investing experience into those skills and, and improving them it doesn't improve your chances of using the skill but it gives you more of a repertoire of points to spend to kind of like find bonus information it's like i think find it like a very interesting sort of alternative to like fail forward games like um blades in the dark type stuff mm-hmm. um because like both of these mechanics are built to keep the game flow going like this is so you don't hit a brick wall in your investigation fail forward stuff is so you can keep playing even though you fucked up your role um yeah but yeah i don't know i think i think it, it, i don't know if i personally want to play like a full campaign of in the gumshoe system if i'm being honest i think it's neat for like building stuff and like it's kind of a fun system but i maybe we can talk about it a bit more as we go on but i wasn't it it it, something about it didn't appeal to me as much as those other systems do in the way that they keep their things moving 
Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you what it is from my perspective. Because um, I was also thinking about this in comparison specifically to Blades in the Dark, which is another one of these games that is like trying really hard to be a genre simulation um, and not just to, to kind of like, you know, be a toolkit the way that something like, um, you know, PBTA is a toolkit or, you know, that something like D&D 5th Edition tries to be a toolkit, right? And people <laughs> use it as a toolkit, even though it's clearly not. Um, but like, I-, I think that a big point of difference between the two of them is that like something like Blades in the Dark has the confidence in the mechanics that it's set out. Um, and it has made a certain set of mechanical decisions that inherently like limit it and that are potentially going to be alienating to some players who are like, well, but I want to play this kind of game instead. And, you know, the answer to them in that case is like, all right, cool. Well, I hope you can find that game. Um, this game is maybe about like 10 pages of like actual core resolution mechanics that describe what happens in like 95% of game situations. Um, it is about a hundred pages of corner cases and subsystems, and it is about a hundred and fifty pages of optional rules. I'm exaggerating on that front, but like, oh Not my really, god, though. yeah, <laughs> like, it, like, yeah, it makes it hard to like, read. It's so fucking yeah. hard to read. It's this is a terribly like designed and laid out book for mm-hmm. for first off. Um, so we all had I th- to suffer I think through what that. Makes it- I think what makes it really tragic is that, like, I, I always got the sense reading the book that, like, it thinks it has something with the little symbols, yeah. but it doesn't. They're so confusing. It, yeah. There's no reason that, like, some of these, like, optional, like, especially because they're all organized like that, there's no reason why they can't be supplemental material not in, like, the basic playbook. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, you know it, it just makes it very intimidating, I think, like going into new, for new players, probably seeing all this like shit you can add on. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I think that like a couple of things here, because like, number one, I guess I do slightly respect them for like putting this all in the core book and not just using it as an excuse to, to like sell you $15 add ons for everything. <laughs> sure. But like, Anna, could I back us up a sec? Yeah, just go to for explain it. what the difference like. What the different like th- uh, these um these variant modes that we're talking about are? Please. So like, so the game. One of the big touchstones of the game is like spy movies, and the way the game frames this is that there's different kinds of spy movies. So you've got your James Bond spy movies, you've got th- your Jason Bourne movies, um, you've got your the other guy with the French name. I don't actually like spy shit that much. Uh, John uh, Lacare. There we go. I was gonna say John Leclerc. That's not it. <laughs> but Sylvia Leclerc, yes. our esteemed guest. What? Don't hey, don't, <laughs> don't burn my cover. <laughs> so everyone finds out that I am actually a CIA plant. God. <laughs> that would be uh, so too? cool. That would be so fucking cool for like if someone was obsessed with like I think friends at the table are CIA offers. <laughs> <laughs> uh why else that, do I that, make such mean tweets? It's, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I've been listening to, like, this two and a half hour episode about, like, you know, four friends being, like, dumbasses and, like, you know, just doing uh, uh, 
this like really obtuse like southern gothic uh horror fantasy and i'm pretty sure this is a number station that is just like broadcasting <laughs> codes to like assets in turkey god the thing is while we're doing this we're making a character for bluff city so <laughs> oh, fuck this yeah. is what you've just done here with description <laughs> uh, friends at the table is a friends at the table is a cia asset to funnel ideas towards people saying that sounds like a friends at the table character god yeah <laughs> We're it's just like here a to deep culture. We're here to ruin it's like any a deep weird cultural name. influence station. Yeah. Sorry. So wait. Okay. So so back to back to the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, that, that was an amazing sidebar. But back to the game. <laughs> <laughs> just I just want to lay it out before we really go into it. So the game. Yes. So basically, the game identifies these like different modes. You know, um, there's dust, which is like kind of i think it's it's a game to kind it's a mode that tries to like bring the power level down um weapons are more deadly uh your characters can do less um it's kind of like tries to make it grimier and more about information gathering there's burn which is um (laughs) just puts like a sanity meter in there and tries to give you like real 2000s tabletop like mental illness stuff when you take like enough mental stress from things being messed up yeah i want to very quickly give a shout out to this game's awful list of uh mental health conditions and the accompanying rules uh it's one of those (laughs) and there's a whole section about what borderline personality disorder does to you and one of the things that it does is it says that you can't use certain interpersonal skills, uh, including <laughs> flirting, and it's like, bitch, have you ever heard of trans women? <laughs> I got no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last one is like a mirrors game, which is really heavy on ideas of like trust and betrayal in characters with kind of dual motives. And I think either one of these is, like, fine for a game, but kind of mm-hmm. like, like we said, when you kind of staple them all haphazardly on top of a core game, and then you read a paragraph that explains a rule, and then there's a little symbol that's like, in a burn game, this rule's like this. In a dust game, this rule's like this. Um, they also have a symbol that's like the stakes symbol. For the life of me, I can't tell what, like, a stakes game is supposed to be in the way that the other three have, like, an identity. It just seems to be another set of optional rules. Yeah, it's it's basically <laughs> just, like, your characters care about shit this time and are not, like, completely mercenary freaks. Yeah. Do you want to be ideologically motivated? Here you go. Ew, no, disgusting. I know, awful. I mean, to be fair, the examples that they give are pretty bad. I'm looking at it. It's like, this is James Bond and Jack Ryan and Burn Notice. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Take that back about Burn Notice or we're kicking you off the podcast. <laughs> okay, I've watched a few seasons wait, of Burn Notice. I'll be nice wait. about Burn Notice. I like Bruce Campbell's okay, Hawaiian I've shirts. Of, I've watched all of Burn Notice. How much okay. leverage have you guys watched? I've watched like a couple seasons of Leverage and leverage is, all of Burn uh, Notice. That's a very Burn Notice core show to me. Oh yeah, the, the the USA Network is just like uh, an endless factory of those fuckers. Um, okay, I have a story to tell. I know that we're talking about this very serious spy shit, but uh, I want to give a quick shout out to my dad, who is an immigrant Polish carpenter, uh, never finished high school, doesn't really speak English all that well, but he's a very smart guy. And I uh, one time found him on his computer typing away with like two fingers 
at a very, very long Burn Notice fanfiction, specifically <laughs> Burn Notice self-insert fanfiction, <laughs> where Michael Weston, the main Burn Notice guy, is constantly crossing paths with this wise-cracking Polish carpenter who's called in to, like, fix the buildings that get blown up during Burn Notice episodes. It's so good. That's so charming. Wow. It's so fucking cute. He doesn't, like, do any spy stuff in it. He just, like, says hi to Michael Weston and, <laughs> yeah, like, he's trades just his friend. dad insults with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But uh, anyway, that's why I had to defend the honor of Burn Notice. Yeah, no, I completely understand now. I apologize for speaking out of turn. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, those are the modes, though. <laughs> those are the modes. And you were so you were gonna list a bunch of things like 20 minutes ago before we started talking about <laughs> burn notice and bpd oh yeah i mean okay you can consider those tangents to be like the optional game modes of this podcast <laughs> it's like if you want to listen to the version of this podcast where they just like do a 20 minute tangent on bpd jokes then enable the burn option <laughs> god uh, um, i but- have I just want to note that I have controlled F the Knights Black Agents PDF for autism. No matches. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm honestly I, disappointed. I can't give my character combat autism. Like, this was, what, 2012? They, I think they had at least figured out that was a bad luck at that point. Okay. And then, you, say- you know, they moved on to other stuff. They just found different mental illnesses for that. You say that, but me and my my wonderful husband, Mark, are reading a book written in, like, 2011 right now, where, like, one of the main characters does have a condition called combat autism. Are you guys reading a Stephen King book? Oh, no, no, no. It's it's called The Quantum Thief. It's like, um, you know, Arsene Lupin shit, but in space. It's pretty cool. okay. Also, I have combat autism. Just going to go ahead and say that. (laughs) Hope that nobody yells at us for it. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the one Ghost in the Shell episode where they talk about running your cyber brain in autistic mode. <laughs> That's what's happening to me at all times. Oh, holy shit! When I log on to Twitter, dude, I fucking love art. <laughs> it's just an endless stream of offensive shit like this. God, it's just really funny because like occasionally you'll occasionally you'll the because the ghost in the shell thing is just like them using the etymology of the word autism that refers to like being incapable of receiving signals mm-hmm. and then like so sometimes you see a use like that and you're like all oh, right neurotypical people have an insane idea about what autism is god Ab- just absolutely Incredible. anyway um yeah you can tell vampires? that we're doing everything we can to not talk about this game uh, I'm really trying. I'm really trying to hurt the cats on this one. But oh, I'm also fuck. the cat. Yeah, yeah, Um, Here's the thing. Uh, this game has an incredible elevator pitch. Um, it's it's the sort of thing that, like, would make a really good movie that, like, you stumble across on, like, basic cable in the 90s. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, this is badass. Um, it's the sort of thing that, like, you know, you would totally have, like, a really cool, trashy RPG experience with. But, like... Mm-hmm. I think the things that hold it back are, A, like we've mentioned, the fact that, like, it has no confidence in itself and is constantly, like, giving you these alternate rule systems in case you don't like its basic ideas. And, B, also the fact that, like, Ken Height is well known as, like... I I had to ask about this, actually, before we... um, Before I, like, settled on the system, because I was like, 
oh hey ben is is ken height like a piece of shit in a way that would make us want to like not actually do a game here and he was like no not really he's just kind of like garden variety piece of shit um He's like a Bush era suburban dad, basically. Oh my god, that um, comes through. Actually, it comes through so much. Is the thing he is he is just like someone whose kid listens to a lot of pop punk, and you know who like he has a, a long running podcast with Robin Laws, actually the guy who invented a gumshoe system, and they just talk about like you know tabletop and also just like dad stuff, and it's been going on for like years and years and years. Um, so th- there's a lot of weird ways in which that does come through. I'm interested in which ones like you're thinking of, but the the ones that I'm thinking of are are about how like oh yeah, the Cold War is over and Bush's war on terror <laughs> it's winding down. Everything's going great with there. There's a lot of that. There's that a lot of like coming back from war shit. The like noble soldier stuff that got like re- like really yeah. Got like like glorified from that era of political thinking, you know. It's it's a um, shoot and cry game, you know. Yeah. Like for for those l- one- listeners who who aren't aware, um, shoot and cry is like a pejorative designation given to like the very very thriving genre of like American art that is about how like how bad war is specifically because it makes our soldiers sad. Like it hurts them to commit war crimes. Hmm. Uh, speaking on the suburban dad thing, there's a very funny line in the section about, like, the intelligence backgrounds of, like, your player characters based on age. So, like, if your character is this year's old, you probably experienced these world events. Yeah. And there's a very funny one that's, like, if your character missed the Cold War, they probably feel like they missed out on, quote, all the action. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of deranged, honestly. That whole section is... Like it was a weird read. Um Yeah. I I did I just I did it was, but I also appreciated like that there was not that there was not a little sidebar that's like, by the way, we know that spies are bad. Fair. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I'm going to uh make a version of this that is a proper leftist tabletop game and it's the exact same game, but it does have that sidebar about by the way, we know spies are bad. The worst thing you can ever say is proper leftist tabletop game. <laughs> because then that's how you know it's a marketing grift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, we gotta we... put in a we gotta put in a I'll just put in some ads to the heat system that tries to make like uh, that like gets really heavy handed about my personal morality for what I think tabletop players should be doing in a tabletop game. Fuck. <laughs> but actually speaking of uh, the heat system and the suburban dad thing. I'm pretty sure there there is a bunch of stuff of that in that in that part of the game game about like permissible killing, like people that you are allowed to kill and that it's okay. But then like don't kill this kind of people or the cops are gonna get you. Yeah. Um. There's there's also like uh they've clearly done a lot of research into uh some parts of this. For example, not really, like, the mental illness parts. Like, that stuff is, like, very quickly, like, oh, we looked at, like, Wikipedia definitions and then just, like, thought for five minutes about, like, what stat debuffs it gives you to have, you know, narcissistic personality disorder or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And the other... The thing, though, that, like, the the research does really come uh, through strongly in 
is like all the the spy shit you know like and not actual like truth of spy shit right like this isn't like you know blowback season two that's like pulling back (laughs) the curtain on like all the evil and often banal shit that like the cia was doing in cuba um it's just like here's all the like you know industry terms that we've gleaned from like books written by you know people who have like left the service and are, are now marketing for the service there's like a whole section that is about like here are all these like names of real world like spy agencies and like a basic write-up on each of them such that you can like help uh build your character uh off of those and of course like it's extremely ideological right like the one about the Mossad is like the Mossad are well known for punching way above their weight in the international espionage arena and it's just like Mm -hmm. oh dude you are such a suburban dad right now (laughs) i love i do like the you know like going through all the backgrounds uh that you can choose for your character and being like ooh, i'm gonna be a uh, i'm gonna be a black bagger I'm going to be a wire rat. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, and it is, I'm going to be a wheel artist. And it's like, th- there's definitely a huge vibe to like a lot of the terms that are going on and just being like, yeah, I'm a fucking spy. <laughs> just to put this stuff on your character sheet. I'm going to make a very educated guess that Ken Height at some point in his life has been conned by a complete scam martial art like Krav Magar Sistema. And just, like, learn some shit that does not work unless the the person with the gun, like, follows the exact, like, five steps that you're taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd believe that. He probably did at some convention where he goes to to learn about all this weird military shit that he's into. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love that you can get an investigative uh, skill called military science. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Uh, it's, it's so cool, because, like, you know, this game was written in 2012 and like it is super 2000s in a lot of ways. It is super 90s in a lot of ways. And I think that a lot of that like comes from the fact that it is such a fucking bad game. Um, like it, you know, a, a game that is written in 2012 is like typically going to be written by like somebody who is not necessarily like super young, but at least like kind of coming into their ideas and, you know, bringing new stuff to the table in 2012. Um, but if you are just like a, a suburban dad, like we've been saying, then of course it's going to be like weirdly out of date by the time that it's actually released. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was actually kind of surprised to learn when it like 2012 is not like a the like era of a, like modern tabletop designing by any means. Like there's still like mm-hmm. a lot of th- like things that come between then and now. But, like, I, I was still surprised at how, like, like dated this felt. But then when I looked into the other stuff he's worked on, like, he did, like, a lot of, like, 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade. I think he was, like, the lead on or something. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And just, like, learning a lot about the other stuff he's worked on. Like, the, the, the sort of, like... I don't want. I'm trying to find a way to be like not too mean about this, you know. But like you the sort of like about him, the nerd stink on it is like very clear. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this is the this is the like this is the game that like the dude who made me like very uncomfortable whenever I went to the comic book store in my hometown would be really into because it's super yeah. inaccessible to people younger than him. Yeah. For sure. 
I mean, just the whole the whole premise of it, which is like a fun premise, but it's also just like it's not that far removed from like Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Like it's such the nerd thing of like I'm gonna take this and then I'm gonna take this, just slap that shit in there. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! Speaking of Pride and Prejudice and zombies, would you believe that he has written a uh, Cthulhu scenario or? Yeah, I believe it's a scenario uh, for like a Cthulhu game system called Clifford the Big Red God. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, it was nice being on the show. I will see you guys later. <laughs> Where can we find you online? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Just just while we're on this tangent of just like ragging on Ken Height, um, you know, we don't like make fun of people's appearances. This is much more of like a styling thing than it is about like, you know, his actual physical appearance is just like completely unremarkable. Um, again, dad. But take a quick look at this guy, this picture that I've just like pasted into the, into the chat. It's, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like again, this is the like... Just look him up on Wikipedia and that picture of him tells you everything you need to know about him. Like, I had I had friends with dads like this that I did not enjoy the company of. Like, I did not like going over to their place when their dad was around because, you know, the vibes are bad. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Not good. Um, I don't speak about... I don't tend to speak about my professional life on my podcast because I like to keep job and... Uh, job and fun separate but i have a lot of experience with this type of guy (laughs) actually i figured out who he reminds me of and it's the manager i worked for when i worked at toys r us you saying professional life made me think like oh i don't have a professional life um but this flashback uh yeah he wore a reboot pin to work every day and was um not so subtly racist. Anyway, I'm not saying Ken Heights racist. It's just that the vibe is there. <laughs> I mean, I've read. I'm gonna get sued for book. defamation for being on this podcast. Yeah, this is this is the most like personally bitchy episode that we've I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it's what happens with me. We we just have to we just have to like talk real personal shit about the Lancer devs in order to like even up the score. We talked all the shit about their system. We can get personal too. Listen, if you've got a Wikipedia page, I feel like it's fair game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll do a series of supplemental episodes where we circle back to each uh, game that we made fun of and we look up the dev-, the dev personally and be like, you little bitch. Yeah, we're especially going to do that with uh, Eidolon and Fate Ignite Array, uh, the ones that our friends made. <laughs> Uh, I just thought about the like possibility of being mean to Molly, and like it made my heart sad. No, you gotta be nice to Molly. Yeah, I do. Everyone who's listening to this, be nice to Molly, please. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some positives. Is that cool? Yes, please, please do. I I feel bad now. <laughs> so like, <clears throat> there's there's there are there's one thing that I do like about this game, and like. I don't feel I don't feel like it comes together a hundred percent, but I like the concept of the way that your skill ratings in this game double as a pool of points that you get to spend for various bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the kind of decision economy that that creates, and like the there's a kind of expressiveness too um, to the way that you spend their po- your points. There's a good 
uh, there's a good section in the book where it talks about, you know, how a how different kinds of enemies might spend their their points in their combat abilities differently in combat based on their personality, you know, and it talks about how like, you know, a a you know, like if you get in a fight with like a supernatural animal, it will probably it might spend its points evenly you know, until it runs out of points because it, you know, it doesn't do, like, strategy and it just kind of attacks you. Mm-hmm. And then it con- it contrasts that with the idea that, like, a trained killer might go for one one attack with a huge investment of points in order to try and just take you out and then back off for a while if you are able to endure that attack. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And it makes me think about, you know, a way of, like, spending points as a way to express things about your character or kind of like just reflect your engagement with different parts of the story. And I think that's a cool idea. For sure. Um, Can I provide the counterpoint to why there's a negative there? Yeah. You, you said that in such a, like, I have, (laughs) I have a counterpoint tone. (laughs) Um, It would be rude not to let you do it. Thank you. So, um, yeah, to, to kind of, like, provide a bit more context, because I don't think we explained fully, like, how this part of the system works. Um, mm-hmm. We mentioned there was, like, investigative abilities before, which are, like, fields of knowledge that you have where you can kind of always succeed on gathering information, but not necessarily on putting that information into practice. And then if you have a rating in those, then you can, like, invest points into it to, like, succeed especially hard in a way that like gives you benefits going forward um but then like the the kind of main thing that you're doing in the field is through what are called general abilities um and that's like your your basic like skill list of stuff like you know shooting or driving or hacking or stealth or etc etc um and the standard dice roll is a d6 i believe versus a difficulty threshold and um, you're sometimes just trying to hit like a simple threshold against more complicated tasks. You might be both trying to hit a threshold and like deplete a pool. Um, and you roll your d6 and then you can commit any points out of your rating. So if you have like an eight in shooting, that's like a good rating. Then you can choose to commit any number of points out of that eight in order to give yourself a bonus to, you know, make sure that it succeeds, have a larger effect when it succeeds, things like that. Um, Investigative abilities refresh only at the end of operations, and general abilities refresh also at the end of operations, but you can get, like, uh, smaller refreshes in the middle of one by, like, doing shit tied to your drive that gets you in trouble. Um, you know, it's it's a sort of system that like shows up in a number of games where it's like, hey, here's incentive to like do shit that's stupid and not optimal. We'll we'll give you like the ability to refresh your your shit if you act like an asshole in front of everyone. Um, and so what I feel like is the the kind of like downside of that is that you are still just fundamentally like making the same role repeatedly, and in the absence of like a fail forward type system um it is just like you are in a shooting like a shootout right and unless you um input like these specific alternate 
you know, variant rules that give you more of like a tactical combat thing, then the shootout is mostly going to consist of like you rolling a D6, expending points from your shootout, uh, from your, your shooting rating, and just, you know, next round you also roll a D6 and expend points from your shooting rating. And it's the sort of thing that just like, I can tell what they're going for with this interplay, like you had mentioned, Olivia, of like, oh, how much do you want to commit? Do you want to like risk it all? Do you want to to be slow and steady? Like, what do you want to do? But like, it is just making the same role over and over again. And like, there were these actual like examples of play in the book that are just like you know describing how the the characters are the player characters are just like doing all this shit constantly repeatedly no real variation to it except deciding to commit one point this round instead of three and it's like man that would get grading so fast um if you have a system this like kind of basic and simple then please, please, please let shit be resolvable within one round, you know? Like, don't make it this sort of situation where you just, like, have to to kind of, like, wait for uh, an arbitrary threshold to be hit. That's just my thought on it. I see that. I do see that. Um, it also strikes me as something that, like, is adjustable on the 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 level of, like, actually running it in play. And to me, like, just to me, for my personal tastes, I don't mind that so much, you know? It just seems like something that you can, that you can kind of, like, you know, like you said, limit, because it is a simple system, run the game in a way that limits the number of rules that you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, it's, it's just one of those, like, tensions always between, like, um... You know, do you need a dedicated subsystem for this? Uh, or is this just something that you can like resolve the same way that you resolve everything else with like a single dice roll? And this game, like, you know, it clearly doesn't have enough confidence in its like tactical combat options to make them core to the game. So it's just kind of like letting you have a combat experience that is like technically a subsystem, but is like so kind of bare bones that it's just sitting there and, and rolling and rolling and rolling. I feel like this is kind of like more on a broader game design note, like from the sort of games that I've played from this era, like kind of a problem I find with the combat stuff. Like they feel hamstrung by their combat, right? Because you can't make like the thinking for a while is you have to make a game that has like combat, like that is equally, uh, I'm using air quotes when I say this next word, robust as Dungeons and Dragons, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. at least that was sort of the, um, like, thinking back to, like, the way my friends that I played tabletop stuff with, like, thought about things back then. Um, mm-hmm. It would be like, well, yeah, you need to have some sort of system in there to break shit. I'm thinking very specifically of um, uh, when I played some, what the fuck is it called? It's the Dark- New World of Darkness, like, Hunter's game. I can't remember oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The full title for it. Vigil. Hunter to Vigil. Yeah. Um, There was a version of that that I played that I remember being like, the investigate, like, track, the stuff of like tracking down um, the like supernatural creatures and stuff is very fun. But then when you actually have to deal with them, it's less so. 
And Mm -hmm. this has some of that with the combat stuff where it's like you're getting into a like you're doing your cool spy fiction solving the mystery shit and then it's going to be a shootout, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. There's similarly like a dedicated system for chase scenes, which is also just like, you know, the, the person being chased starts five units ahead and based on your roles, they get less or more units ahead. And if they get caught, they get caught. If they escape, they escape. And it's just mm-hmm. like, man, I can tell that you're trying to make this like this this well-paced system that, you know, like creates this exciting cinematic moment. But it just feels like it would be so miserable to actually play out. Yeah, we like the I think, Hannah, you've mentioned the idea of like a more confident version of the game. And I think mm-hmm. kind of in both of those examples, I can see a version of a game that is more willing to kind of like take a hard stance and you know either either kind of like get rid of a combat system and just say like you know put more of an emphasis on planning and information gathering and make you know the point at which you get into a shootout with a vampire basically a failure state um yeah or a version of a game that's just like you know let's let's kind of like think of a subsystem for a chase sequence but just you know get it away from the idea of just like rolling trying to roll hard enough to reach like a just a threshold and then you get away you know for sure Um, there's a lot of lines in that chase system which are just like oh by the way uh don't just roll dice and look at the results make sure to like narrate a chase scene so that it's interesting role-playing game goes here yeah that's to me that's like when tabletop books start talking about that you know talking in those terms i think that's a that's a big sign for me that like something's gone wrong here in the design for sure um and again like i i want to contrast this to to go full circle to our initial like discussion of this with um blades in the dark because like you know, there's a reason why there's not, like, a tactical combat system add-on to Blades in the Dark. Like, I'm sure that there's some Forge in a Dark game that, like, tries to do that, um, and that it's horrible. But, like, there's a reason why that's not in, like, the core game or any of the Forge in the Dark variants that I've seen. Um, because, like, that's just fundamentally not what the game is designed for. It made, like, distinct choices that kind of like left it in a place where a tactical combat system just wouldn't make sense as an add-on. And this game is just like so kind of obsessed with having it like every way that like there are no choices made in the core game. There's like the cool information gathering system, which like, yeah, sure. I would love to see something like that recur in various like better systems, but everything else just feels so like, oh, there was no actual choice here, you know? Like, um, it's it's all just, like, the most generic uh, ideas of, of how to, like, um, shape and design this game um, that are eventually, like, going to be bailed out, in a sense, by each, t- uh, each table, like, picking out which of the variant rules they want to staple onto it. Hmm does make me curious like how much of this um I, I like how much of this stuff is new for nice black agents and how much of it just comes with the gumshoe system itself you know because that's also dealing with detective fiction and detective fiction also includes sure. some of these things right but 
I mean, I yeah. haven't read it, so I don't know how much of that is just like them, like the designers feeling beholden to the base system they're using, or if this is stuff that they've built to add to this. So I don't want to so, be like too harsh on them for that. But so my yeah. my understanding is that the the like investigative ability, like auto success stuff, comes from Gumshi, and mm. the combat systems and chase systems come from uh knight's black agent so okay, never mind worst interpretation <laughs> possible <laughs> okay oh, I can't just ignore everything i just never said. be nice again sylvie <laughs> i'm trying you did try and you know but again that's appreciated yeah it's very clear who the kindest person on this podcast is right now all right i'm just gonna complain a bit too also why it's so weird it's so weird that health is a general ability that i put points into it just feels weird to me yeah just give me a fucking give me like a base value of health that can be added on to by i don't know pumping some other stat look it's it's simple don't fix Mm -hmm. what isn't broken why am i listing health in my skills Again, it, it's super 90s in that, like, it is devoted to this, like, universal point-by system um, mm-hmm. where, like, technically you have two separate pools of your investigative abilities and your um, your general abilities. But guess what? There's also optional rules that say that you can swap those out <laughs> and, like, donate investigative abilities to your teammate in exchange for more general abilities um so it it really is just like when it comes down to it like a pure point by system um during the character creation there's like all these backgrounds that like you mentioned earlier where it's like this is the black bagger this is the bang and burn artist this is the wet worker like all the spy shit but it makes it clear that like those are not things you actually need to pick they are just like each comes with six uh investigative points 18 general points and then maybe like one or two other things but they're they're like they're completely optional you can make a character without using them and it really does just kind of like let you know that like oh this is all just kind of smoke and mirrors like the the parts of it that actually feel like there's um meaningful like you know kind of choices and preset ideas in the game system every time it tells you that like this is a thing that you need to do. The game immediately like kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, actually, you don't need to do that. You can do this other thing instead. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just like, I, I, <laughs> this sounds mean. I wish this had a better editor, you know? For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like a lot of stuff that could be cut out of this. And like I looked it up. They released a shit ton of expansion stuff for this game. So <laughs> Imagine being the person who buys Knight's Black Agents are like, mm, it doesn't have enough options for me. I need the Dracula dossier actually to do this. So. It's it's not just a bunch of pictures of Dracula, so do you need it less now? Yeah. it's true i do need it less now Uh, all right cool uh do we have anything else we want to say about the system i feel like i'm i'm all set at this point Uh, i am just i was just scrolling through and i did 
notice one of their optional rules is literally just fail forward option you never fail even a failed Shut test up. might be successful but at some other dramatic or personal cost Shut up. <sighs> yeah so it's, it's gonna be Test. so cool when like there's a, a supplement that's just like optional rule this is now a fortune in the dark game <laughs> I, I, kenneth i am i am circling your number grade in a red pen and i'm writing see me after class um, it's my it's my final vibe on this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I'm gonna give him a lecture about how he has potential, but he's just he's fucking it up. I guess the last thing that I would want to highlight is that like there are some pretty cool GM notes um, about shit called like a conspiramid. Uh, yeah. You see, it's a conspiracy pyramid, um, mm-hmm. and it's basically just like I we haven't mentioned it thus far because like it's pretty invisible from the player end, like. It is just basically, hey, if you're someone who's GMing this, then, you know, here's like a, some ideas for how you can structure like the vampire conspiracy and say that like, you know, the vampires control this group, who controls this group, who's allied with this group, etc. Um, to just basically give your players a bunch of like leads um, on their investigations and not just like kind of, uh, you know, force them to, to go down one direction or face a dead end, um, which is cool. Again, like, I think that, like, I could have fun playing, like, a one-shot or a very short, like, limited series of this. Um, uh, but, yeah, as, like, a, a long-term RPG, it really feels like it would grate well before it, like, you know, finished up its its uh, run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, I do want to say that I like... I, I One last positive thing. I do like that system and the way it kind of lays out, like, a like a decision-making hierarchy for how the conspiracy is going to react to player actions and like different Mm -hmm. things that they would try to do to, to like to eliminate the players as threats kind of like escalating up to the ultimate, like we're going to sick a million vampires on them. Um, I just like that as a way to like show me that briar patch. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Listen. Yeah. All right. Cool. We're all set with uh, the the system portion of this. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we want to talk about characters. Yeah, let's talk about some evil bitches. Yeah, I'm into it. All right. Um, Olivia, do you want to do your evil bitch first? Okay. Hmm. I feel like this is unusual. But is it? I don't know. I feel like it. I feel a little on the spot, but let's just go. All right. All right. Um, where the hell do I start? Um, Karina Bauman, uh, is a is a fifty six year old, uh, aging stone butch, <laughs> um, who helped participate in the collapse of the Soviet Union. All right. Cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, her kind of like espionage specialties are, you know, I'm just go- going over the general idea. Her, her, her kind of like roles that she's played over her life are, you know, smuggling, surveillance, infiltration, and planning and transport of sensitive, illegal, incriminating items. Um, that's, she got her start as kind of a, a smuggler 
you know, moving things from West Germany to East Germany uh, back in the day. And kind of like after the fall of the Berlin Wall, bounced out of, you know, specifically working for spy agencies and did kind of like a string of criminal involvement in smuggling networks just kind of across Europe. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like my, my general pitch. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sort of withering. <laughs> uh, I was really, I was really hoping that one of you would go first and have more of a structure that I could just copy. All right, cool. Why don't I go right now and uh, uh, rescue you from this? Thank you. I feel like I'm about to die. That's chill. We are all feeling that way in our own ways. Uh, all right, cool. So I've got Dr. Henley Merrick here. Um, as you can tell from that nonsense name, she's British. Um, <laughs> she was born in 83 to a father who worked as like an external cutout for MI6 and occasionally for other like NATO intelligence services. Um, and, you know, she like put it together fairly quick that her dad was, you know, uh, a spy of some kind was involved in a spy business um, that had something to do with the fact that like their family was constantly moving around. Um, but she was like, super disappointed when she was like, Oh, he's not like a dashing James Bond figure. He's just like some asshole who is uh, being sent to like a, uh, you know, Zambia to obtain an envelope full of cash in exchange for shutting down a copper factory. Um, and, you know, th th that kind of just, like, very banal type of geopolitical evil, right? Where it's, like, just these these small rational efforts to extend imperial power um, that, you know, aren't, like, we are going to, to sip on martinis and assassinate people and, and do all the, the cool James Bond shit. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically, like, where she comes from. Um, and she, like, spent a good amount of time in, like, her teenage years kind of, like, superficially rebelling against that and, like, being part of a French art commune and espousing anti-imperialist ideas. But, like, she was one of those anti-imperialists where, like, the, the only critique that she really had when it came down to it was, like, I wish the imperialism was cooler. Um, so, of course, she eventually got serious and, like, got a prestigious art history degree and became like a museum curator. Um, but specifically the type of museum shit that she curates is occult art and ritual artifacts. Um, and she, uh, you know, was eventually approached by MI6 to be like, Hey, you know, your agent Sebastian Merrick's daughter, like, are you interested in like carrying on this, this skill set? Um, and she also, as it turns out, has like a focus in kind of like infiltration type activities, but I imagine in like a pretty different way than what uh, Karina is doing. Um, she's much more of the like uh, dashing cat burglar type. Um, she definitely has like a needlessly sexy cat suit um, that she like uh, goes down laser hallways in and shit. Um, and, you know, uses that to, like, find ritual daggers and, like, thinks of herself as, like, this very sort of, like, dashing Tomb Raider slash Bond girl type. Um, 
And the way that, like, I've been thinking of her is that she's someone who, like, um, is probably the most interesting person in any given room that she's in. And that's much more of a detriment to the rooms that she's in as opposed to, like, a credit to her. Um, And she is, like, constantly, like, bitter and frustrated and pissed off about the fact that she is not, in fact, in these cooler rooms. (laughs) Okay. How's that? That's great. It's hard to sympathize. (laughs) (laughs) No, she she fucking sucks. Um, I wanted to make someone who fucking sucked ass and sucked shit. Mm -hmm. I feel like I focused a bit more of my character on, like, what happened when they found out about vampires existing and less so oh, for on the sure. backstory okay yeah, yeah. i, I haven't so, gotten there yet but like um we don't need like a, a super detailed backstory or anything okay mm-hmm. well like broad like my like broad idea for like the backstory was like kid of a cop who joined the military so also shitty <laughs> um <laughs> but um like kind of like rose up the ranks and stuff and then when they found out that um all this occult shit was real um i guess i should give some context have you guys seen the movie underworld yes so I have when, when they found out about all this occult shit they um got like very weird about their own sort of like genealogy and lineage and decided that they were uh had werewolf ancestry yo <laughs> that it was there it, there is no literally no evidence of this i need to be very clear her name is uh piper fitzgerald by the way there's no evidence that there's any real werewolf shit going on but she insists that she is at least like one eighth werewolf and that it is like part of her like family duty now to help hunt these things down and that's why she's so invested in this oh my god um I can tell already that uh, Dr. Merrick is going to fucking hate her, but also, like, be mysteriously drawn to her. Hell yeah. I love our kind of, like, continuum of cringe that we have. (laughs) (laughs) Of, like, various levels of, like, uh, jaded realism about what's actually going on here. I just made a (laughs) toonie. Yeah, you're at one end of the spectrum. I think Karina's very much at the other end um, in that her her main reaction to finding out vampires were real was sort of like a like a vindictive anger at um, basically just like being used as part of this conspiracy, Um, you know, in her, her drive, which is sort of her motivator. I put it down as revenge as like. You know, she was used by this conspiracy and then burned by this conspiracy. And now she's like, gonna fucking kill them. <laughs> For sure. Uh, my my thinking was like, I, I think I mentioned this in the group chat leading up to um, us recording this, that like the character of Van Helsing was like really in my mind. But specifically, I don't know if I brought this up, the Anthony Hopkins portrayal of him in the Coppola adaptation of Dracula, where okay. he's like a, a weird obsessive. Um, and, like, I wanted to make a character who was also, like, weirdly, like, super obsessive about hunting them down, but insist that it's, like, no, I'm doing this because I hate vampires, not because I'm really interested in them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, then I was, I started reading this, and I was like, I should watch Underworld, and then I watched some Underworld, and I was like, why are there werewolves in this game? I'm gonna make some bullshit to put a werewolf in this game. (laughs) How's, how's Underworld? 
It was all right. I watched like 20 minutes of it and then I did something else. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. Mm-hmm. In in Miss Fitzgerald's mind here, is the one does the one eighth werewolf heritage convey any kind of abilities or advantages? I'm so glad you asked. To a normal um, human. Well, like she will say, yeah, that she has like a better sense of smell and hearing. Um, most people will be like, "Why are you sniffing around our crime scene?" Literally, that's very weird. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, well, I think Graham. That- yeah, no, very much so. Oh my god, yeah. We're hitting all the things for me today. Um No, but like I I I think it's one of those things where she just happens to be kind of like a talented like like not not like unta- not, maybe not talented is too strong, but she's not like bad at her job, but whenever she does something good, she attributes it to the fact that she's a werewolf. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um i love that you have just made like the simultaneously the 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 most cringe and also the coolest person at a given like midwest anime convention (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i knew this girl in high school (laughs) yeah they had the tail attached to their belt yeah (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah um yeah piper has like i i I know I've mentioned this like before on a podcast, but like um, comes across as somebody with Ohio energy, <laughs> which like I, mean, you know, a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Ohio and Ontario at times. So that yeah, works. yeah, I was gonna ask what the Canadian equivalent of Ohio. Is. I mean, I wouldn't say Ontario is the Canadian equivalent of Ohio. I just think there are pockets of Ontario that have that vibe. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a resonance there. Yeah. I, I was um when, when I was a teenager, I was on a battle royale inspired forum roleplay with a bunch of people from ontario and i can definitely like see that as being true yeah uh all right cool what does she do what does piper do yeah so we like i didn't didn't really have all the exact like uh she they just they just she Uh, i was just doing she her but i do they sometimes because words um yeah, do you mean just, like, what does she do, like, skill-wise, or, like, yeah. in, in uh, terms of, like, If you just want to, like, hit, the, like, the broad is. concept of, like, you know, uh, what are her, like, you know, what's, what's the, like, the elevator pitch of her as a as a spy? Um, the way that, you uh, know, it is for, like, Dr. Merrick, it's, like, curator, historian, and master thief of occult art and artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all I can think of right now is what if Jason Bourne thought he was a dog? Um... <laughs> Like, I do have this idea of, like, a capable soldier who is also just, like, constantly thinking about how they are part wolf. <laughs> um, and, like, because of this given, like, there's, there's like, a bit of, like, divine right in here, too. Like, that, like, oh, I'm a werewolf, which means I've, like, been given this mission to get rid of vampires. But it's like, yeah. you're not, and you haven't. Um, God. Does so, yeah, she, that's the elevator pitch. Does she think of herself as, like, the ultimate life form? <laughs> no <laughs> that's my shtick but but like a pretty cool life form though right yeah. oh absolutely but there's also definitely some of that like i can't my i can't get too close to anybody the burden is too great it's like what are you fucking talking about <laughs> yeah um is, is you it don't want to be here if i turn she has never turned once <laughs> no visual or like set first hand recollections nobody has been able to mention it <laughs> 
She does um, a big long she does a big long monologue and like the camera just slowly pans to Karina in the corner chain smoking and she goes this girl rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so so quick question here. Um like our characters I've I've been kind of like imagining them as people who like didn't necessarily ever work together until like this this one mission where you know like they were all being used by the vampire conspiracy and they you know like uh either at that moment discovered the existence of the the vampire conspiracy or like discovered that it was like right on top of them um like mm-hmm. piper seems like somebody who might have like had an inkling of it beforehand at the very least but you know is is like just now kind of realizing it, like oh shit it is at my doorstep um yeah. but like in the situations in which they had like crossed paths before um like how obvious would it be like going into this mission like let's say i'm dr merrick and i see that it's like oh shit on this you know mission to like transport these like you know chemical compounds that end up containing like the the vampire virus um i see here that uh piper fitzgerald is also on this team am i thinking ah fuck it's the dog girl or am i thinking (laughs) ah fuck it's the weird girl or what am i thinking i think it's like ah fuck it's the intense girl i think that there's like always this thing of like trying to find like her purpose and then this happens and it just like the brain breaks a little bit yeah yeah that's that's always what you want to hear yeah i think like from karina's perspective it's very the the lead up to finding out that vampires are real is like her whole life is somebody gives her a box and is like get this box three countries across don't ask what's in it and she's like all right cool and it's just that this one she happened to find out what was in it and it was like vamp magic vampire blood yeah for sure she's like well fuck yeah um so i i actually wanted to because you you, you've both now kind of like mentioned at least a little bit about like what is your character's like reactions to the whole vampire situation that they find themselves in Mm -hmm. and henley is definitely somebody who like um like growing up really wanted magic to be real and like you know supernatural shit to be real um and it's just sort of like you know large complex that like part of it is you know father issues part of it is like um like that really pathetic shit that olivia i think mentioned from like what happens if you're somebody who got into the uh spy game in the 90s it's like oh no i missed all the action for the cold war like i think that that's definitely like on the wavelength of pathetic that henley is um where she's just like damn if only i could still be in the era where like you could pretend that there was this like big good and good versus evil, like, you know, clash of global ideologies. And that like being a spy isn't just like going to a hotel to pay someone $50,000 to do something that sucks ass in a way that nobody's ever going to hear about. Um, And like, she's, she's definitely like desirous of this kind of like, you know, mystery and romance and adventure. Um, and that's definitely played into, you know, her, like, chosen specialty in, like, occult um, art and history and all that. Um, and you would think that she would be, like, thrilled once the vampires showed up. Uh, but as it turns out, this is something that we didn't mention about the game system earlier. But 
there are four potential origins for vampires. And this is something that I actually think is pretty cool where it's like, there's, what is it? There's like supernatural, which is just general folklore shit. There's damned, which is like vampires are basically like possessed people or people who have like sold their souls for power or shit like that. There's alien and there's mutant. And we've gone with mutant, um, which is like probably the the one that she would have wanted least because it's just <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Like, I really thought for a second that, you know, like I've been in this world of like occult conspiracies forever. But like, it's all just like rich assholes who want to like lend legitimacy to what they're doing. You know, it's like somebody who was going to be a rich asshole anyway, but decided to like put on a robe in order to feel like, you know, more uh uh pompous and 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 more like uh i guess like respectable about it um and then like oh shit there's actual vampires like some of the stuff that like these myths are based on is like actually true um i think for like this very brief moment she's like fascinated by them and considers like going over to the side of the vampires but once she gets like any inkling at all about like the mutagenic origin she's disgusted by them and (laughs) thinks that like this is absolute bullshit that, you know, like she was promised a better class of vampire, so to speak. And um, what she is now super devoted to doing, and this is like incorporated into her drive, is that she definitely wants to fight against a vampire conspiracy because it disgusts her so much, but not to wipe them out entirely. Rather, she would love to wipe most of them out and then throw a leash around the neck of every surviving vampire oh and make them kneel. Of course. Uh, she lot. would love to build networks to like study them, test them, extract whatever gives them their power, and uh, if it's at all possible, to create something that is like much better than a vampire, something that like has this like, you know, impossible supernatural power, but that isn't basically like a sentient blood disease carrying out its programming, you know? Um, so yeah, she absolutely sucks ass and uh, wants to create super vampires, but, you know, in a way that like you could maybe sympathize with if you are very, very, very generous. I love how like this whole party is like a taking time bomb. <laughs> <laughs> We've got dog girl up here. We've got yeah. vampires too here, and then we've got like, <laughs> then we've got like lady who wants to set guys on fire because it will it will like satisfy her her vengeance desire. Fuck yeah! <sighs> All right, do you want to talk about I, some I, skills? I think that like very quickly. I think that like kind of mm-hmm. superficially, Karina and um. Uh, uh, Henley has like something in common there where they're both kind of like pissed off about being kind of like misled and kept in the dark and you know like they've probably like crossed paths before in ways that like I think I would say that at least like Karina has like a bit of a professional respect uh, or Henley has a bit of a professional respect for Karina um, that like mm-hmm. you know we're both really good infiltrators in our own ways where we're people that like we can definitely like respect and admire um, but like over time, the sympathy um, goes uh, on on Henley's end. It goes away from Karina and towards, um, like uh, towards Piper in a sense of like, oh shit, 
we're both absolute freaks with delusions of grandeur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the leash around your neck offer is good for you, too. Oh, my God. <sighs> Sorry, you made a dog girl. I don't know what I'm yeah, supposed no, to I knew, do with like, that The second you mentioned it, I knew it was coming. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we could talk skills. Yeah. Um, so, investigative skills. Um, Karina's investigative skills. They're split. The investigative skills are split up into three different categories. And mm-hmm. we kind of like loosely. Um, we kind of loosely decided to make our characters like sp- mostly specializing in one category. Um, which was my suggestion, and then I got into the weeds and was like, oh, they kind of just give you enough points to do whatever. <laughs> so, For sure. um, yeah. So in the academic category, uh, Karina has one in accounting, one in criminology, one in history, one in human terrain, one point in languages, and one in research. In mm-hmm. interpersonal, she has one point in uh, bullshit detector, two, uh, one point in bureaucracy, Two in negotiation, two in streetwise, and two in tradecraft. And then Mm -hmm. in technical, which is really where she kind of focuses on, she has one in chemistry, one in cryptography, one in data recovery. She has three in electronic surveillance, uh, as well as three in forgery, um, two in notice, two in photography, one in traffic analysis, and one in urban survival. So yeah, her, her main... Um, her main kind of, like, base of knowledge is, you know, navigating through, like, state and social structures and, you know, just kind of, like, old-fashioned, like, spying on shit to find weaknesses and then exploiting those weaknesses. God, she is so disgusted with these two freaks, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) I think she is. (laughs) I think she is. She's a very patient kind of person. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think she is, I think she early on recognizes that this is not a partnership that is going to last, but she's completely content to like, you know, I think the way she thinks of this group is that we're all going to use each other until like a certain moment happens and then we're all going to turn on each other. And that's just how the business works. Um, so, you know, uh, she... (laughs) She makes, like, no outward show of disgust, but if at any point, like, either uh, Henley or Piper were to, like, turn a gun on her, she'd be like, yeah, okay, and take out her own gun. <laughs> she She's working on some very healthy and normal emotional things where she's completely blasé about a lot of things, and then when she thinks about vampires, she's like, I'm gonna fucking kill them. <laughs> You know, there may be some, you know, maybe there's some emotions getting displaced from, like, 40 years of uh, not asking any questions about all the messed up shit that you do. Yeah. It's possible there might be some, you know, displacement there. Fuck. <laughs> uh, she's cool. Um, so, I can go next with the... Oh, sorry, were you saying something, Sylvie? I was just going to say, I have, like, the skills that I was going to focus on, but I don't have the exact numbers down. I hope that's cool. I yeah. just had trouble sort of, like, getting all the um, numbers straight in my head. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so fine. We're, we're not playing with these characters, so, like... Yeah, I figured it'd be cool, but I just wanted to make sure, because... Yeah. Anyway. Fundamentally, who cares? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so what do you got? Okay, so... 
I sort of lean towards the interpersonal stuff, which I thought would be kind of, one very funny for this character idea. Yes. But um, two, I thought it fit with the backstory of both like being tied to law enforcement as well as the military. Um, so um, for interpersonal abilities, what I've got here is bullshit detector, cop talk, interrogation, intimidation, and reassurance. Mm-hmm. Um sort of I wanted both sides of the good cop bad cop thing there that's why I took reassurance (laughs) she could be Um, your angel or your devil yeah exactly (laughs) um well like I was like (laughs) it'd be fun if this is like someone who can talk to pretty much anyone and then if you talk to them a little bit more you'll find out that they think they're a werewolf um like if you talk to them a little bit more they'll mention like oh is that there's silver in that i can't touch that you know <laughs> um i have the I also most compelling down- and alluring person in the world i know honestly um i was also thinking there'd be a little bit in vampirology and i wanted a little bit of outdoor survival and forensic pathology did i say forensic pathology or vampirology earlier words are hard there's a lot of ologies here yeah. um but yeah, vampirology, yeah. forensic pathology, and outdoor survival are sort of the non-interpersonal ones that I really circled. There weren't a lot of academic ones that really interested me for her specifically. Um, and then for the uh, technical abilities, I kind of wanted to keep to stuff that would be like useful out in the field type things that would make sense for her to have given her background. Oh yeah. Um the ones that I have here are um, interpersonal. I have flirting too, high society too, because <laughs> uh, she is a very horny museum curator, um, and streetwise one and tradecraft one. Um, and then technical, she has two points in chemistry, largely for like authenticating things. But I'm you know gonna like do the 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 classic fictional fudging thing where it's like. Her ability to like authenticate samples and whatnot um, also lets her do all other sorts of chemistry. Um, and I think that she would probably get like really into like you know understanding the the chemical properties of vampire blood. Uh, then she has electronic surveillance one, forgery one, notice one, photography one. And then her main point of focus is academic because, as it turns out, she is literally an academic. <laughs> um, like you know, she's like contracted for like. MI6, CIA, um, the BGSE, uh, the DGSE, BND, like all the NATO security services, but like, you know, in, in this sort of like external thing where it's like, she's she was the Bond girl, right? Like she was the, the external person that like the asshole in tuxedo like goes up to and is like, we need your help on this special op. Um, so she's got here one in archaeology, three in art history, one in history, two in human terrain. Two in languages, which the way that like languages and a few other these systems work is that like it's kind of like a load system in something like Blades in the Dark, where um, you have like a specific number of things that you get based on your rating, but you don't have to like choose them until they come up and play. So like you know I haven't written out specifically what languages she knows, but it's probably like a balance between like you know languages that people actually speak and dead languages. Um, She's probably somebody who, like, speaks, you know, Aramaic and Sumerian and is, like, very insufferable about it. (laughs) Um, She has two in occult studies, two in research, and one in vampirology. Um, And that's all her investigative abilities. Yeah. 
Uh, so Karina's general abilities, um, she has, uh, six in athletics, uh, I split these up into weird categories, so they're not going to be alphabetical, and I apologize, but it's going to be six in athletics, ten in cover, four in driving, six in health, fifteen in network, uh, two in piloting, six in stability, eight in weapons, uh, eight in conceal, six in disguise, uh, six in infiltration, eight in surveillance, uh, and then four in filch, four in medic, six in preparedness, and four in sense trouble. Um, basically just building on the idea of her investigative stuff. It's about getting in places, getting to places, getting around places, and then doing a bunch of uh, thief shit while she's in those places, usually just to help her get stuff through those places. Oh, yeah. Um... And this game also has a system where for the general abilities, if you have over eight, in, it's eight points in certain yeah. abilities, you get these bonuses. So for having eight points in conceal, she has the ability perfect holdout, which lets her hide a small object uh, on her person or clothing that can only be found with an x-ray or a strip search. Um and they describe that as like a small physical object or like a knife or like a twenty-two caliber handgun, one of those. Um, mm-hmm. For having eight in weapons, she can also throw any uh, balanced hand weapon at a target within near range at no penalty to difficulty or damage. Um, which I honestly think is a little lame, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, she can throw yeah. Stuff. I also have eight in weapons and it's like, oh, damn. Uh, that kind of blows, but whatever. Some of these are like interesting, um, like fictional stuff, or like you know, little so, like weird edge case things you can do. And then like, some of them are cool PBTA moves, and some of them are just like the vestiges of like you know, World of Darkness or D anD D mindset. Yeah, she has one. She has one in surveillance, which just gives her a free point of the electronic surveillance ability, and it's like okay, thanks, nice. But yeah, those are her abilities. Awesome. Uh, did you, uh, so we have like, I'm guessing that you also didn't like mark down points here, but just like ones that you've circled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one sec. I scrolled off of the um, little character sheet thing. I'm back. Okay. Yeah, so I was keeping in tune with the uh, Jason Bourne but a dog thing. I, I was thinking of leaning into like athletics, hand-to-hand and shooting. Like very like action star type shit um i also had like driving and infiltration marked down just because it's like i thought those also fit with the sort of like idea of her being one of the more military like coded people in the group for sure um yeah i don't know i (laughs) you were saying that about the plus eight thing and i was like how did i miss that i read this yesterday um, oh, I'll tell you how. It's because this game is like uh, composed entirely of quarter cases and optional rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we don't anyway, need to, to, to list those. Way more. I would have at least picked a couple of those out if I had found that. Um, For sure. But yeah, there's a lot of shit here. Um, yeah, I basically just wanted her to be able to drive a cool car and punch people and do action hero shit while also being, you know, her whole deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think that like something that we're really running into in this uh, is that the game kind of tells you that like, oh, confer with your party members and make sure that you're not um, stepping on each other's toes and that you all have your unique areas to shine. But like fundamentally, they don't give you enough with which to do that. Um, like you are just going to overlap anyway because there's not that much interesting shit to do. Mm-hmm. Also, just with the like number of points they give you, it's like I would find it like yeah. genuinely very challenging to make a party of characters that don't overlap in some way. Yeah, yeah. you get seventy like general 70. ability points. That's so many points. I mean, it's... some of that's supposed to go into health, right? I read that yeah, like six of those are supposed to go into yeah. health. It's still not enough to make it manageable, really. It's mm-hmm. so fucking stupid. Um, all right, so what do I got? I got eight athletics. Uh, the bonus of eight athletics uh, is that you just get an extra armor class, basically. Cool. Uh, four conceal, four digital intrusion, six disguise, six filch, eight infiltration. The special bonus of infiltration is called open sesame. It says that you can automatically pick or bypass any normal commercial door lock or alarm without a test. Otherwise, the difficulty for such things is two. Um, so it's just like, you know, you can automatically succeed on easy shit. Um, then she also has Filch 6, or sorry, uh, Sense Trouble 4, Surveillance 6, and Weapons 8. Uh, which, you know, I I don't think that any of those skills necessarily is one that, like, either of you two lack. Um, and again, we have so many points. We are overlapping constantly. Um, which I don't think is necessarily, like, that bad of a thing. It's just kind of like it tells the GM, hey, focus the campaign on this. Um, mm-hmm. I should say, it's not that bad in practice that like we did that. Um, it's bad game design, but it's not our fault for having gotten all these overlaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? Like, That's pretty much all that there fucking is to these characters. Yeah, uh, yeah, for for a book that has like 250 pages of bullshit, there is surprisingly little information about a character. It's just like a series of ratings, um, occasionally like these little ribbon abilities that they give you that tend to be, you know, PBTA playbook moves, but less interesting and some derived stats. And that's kind of it. Like part of like part of me likes the idea of having like such a like blank slate character sheet to play with and have your character come out while playing but then it also makes it really hard like i don't know if what i'm working with the um agent record sheet in the pdf is like like what i'm supposed to be using for my character sheet here but there is also like no space for me to like include any character like information outside yeah. of what she's good at um it's... like i can write down some contacts and i can write down my covers and like the trust system is here too which i don't think i think that's for i don't is that for one of the add-ons yeah that's like, for like one of the settings? variant games if yeah, you're not doing so. a mirrors game you don't use it yeah it's again i think that there's like both a weird case of this game this like book specifically but like the it leading the system feeling both very bloated and the very bare bones at the same time mm-hmm. um and yeah, so it, it's frustrating that I can't even, like, there's not even, a, like, like you can have background drive, like, 
sources of stability, which I think is also for one of the variants. Better believe that's um, optional. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. There's so many optional things that I'm just assuming literally everything other than the abilities is optional stuff. Um, I think you're correct, so cool. honestly. Yeah, and it, it 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 is it just feels a little bit like squandered potential. Like, give me at least like a little bit to write in like some character details. Yeah, because it helps with any tabletop game, but it it really. This is so entrenched in its own thing that having a space that like encourages the player to like put down their own ideas and like create something that's theirs instead of working within the sort of pre-established fiction that it gives you mm-hmm. would really benefit it. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. And it, it, I you know I I think it's like something really telling that like you bring up there is the idea that like it's not just like combat systems and stuff that are optional. It's, like, basic ideas about, like, giving your characters motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, like, what the fuck? How is that possibly something that, like, would be just, like, an optional thing to toss on? Um, it, and, and, you know, like, I can tell you why. It's, like, it's because they want to accommodate, like, these extremely, like, local game store type, like, you know, Gen Con type of, like, you know, 45-year-old guys who are not really interested in role-playing, are, like, interested in tactical competence, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, that is totally to, like, the detriment of the game. Like, if you have put all of this, uh, like, the character-building stuff as so optional that, like, it is, you know, can be completely removed from the game, then, like, of course it's going to be, like, really unsatisfying and it's, like, not going to give the characters enough um, kind of, like, heft, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sucks yeah i think it's um i think it's very telling that like we're in the character section and we're still kind of like talking about the 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 weird and like you know the our like frustration points with the game because we basically almost never do that on other episodes yeah we w- we would be like talking about like the you know, weird and sexual shit that our characters would be doing to each other at this point. <laughs> and, like, I know that we did that briefly, but it's just, like, Yeah, damn. we got the leash in there. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. The, the leash is currently on Piper's neck, so we, we can just, like, leave her there. <laughs> <laughs> She's listening to her favorite music. She has, has the AC on. It's fine. God. Um, But, like, yeah, it's it's the sort of game that, like, just continues to, like, frustrate so much because like we've we've had games before on this podcast that like have had really cool elevator pitches that haven't necessarily like lived up to that but like i can't think of a bigger disparity between like you are secret agents uncovering and fighting an evil like you know alluring conspiracy of vampires and then this like that is that is one of the biggest whiffs that we've seen so far Mm mm-hmm I was I was really into it when you gave me the elevator pitch. I was like, "Hot damn, yeah. let's go!" I was too. Like, well, <laughs> Kenneth, for God's sake, man! Yeah, I'm Kenneth, we dislike own, you I'm personally. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna write my own damn vampire spy game. Cause shit. Please do. There's legs to this idea. There but is. It's it's just like a very underwhelming. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go to the copyright product. office and be like, "Your Honor, they <laughs> fucked this one up. Let me do it." Mm-hmm. God, 
We want to wrap up with some character questions then? I don't... Do we all have questions? Uh, I got mine ready if we uh, want to do those, but like, frankly... Uh, I'm not sure if this system deserves them. <laughs> we can we can release those as an optional module, perhaps. Oh my god! <laughs> I I mean, I'll be honest here. If there's not that much interest in in uh, doing questions, then like we don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's very clear that like we've had a lot of fun like on this episode. It's been great to like talk to Sylvie. It's been great to like rag on this, but like. This is probably the least investment we've ever had in our characters. Um, and that's not our fault. I want you to know that that is Kenneth Hyde's fault. Yeah. yeah. This was supposed Bring to back be sometime my... sometime for a game made by someone else. <laughs> yeah. This was supposed to be my MILF episode. Yeah, fuck that. Aww. <laughs> Season Kenneth's... two, we are guaranteeing the Olivia MILF episode. And Kenneth stole it from me. I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter to Kenneth Height. <laughs> That's right. You've robbed us of a MILF today. <laughs> I mean, she's there. There just isn't much going on. When we do our anniversary episode, the, you know, she'll probably get a lot more to do there. When we just sure. all have our bullshit. When we're just all I doing do character really, interaction bullshit. I do really want to take this character idea and transport it to like some other setting somewhere. Because I do think it's like fun, but I'm like, I have no way to add flavor to it just through a set of abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's a type of like concept that is like begging for a list of fun moves and, and like mm-hmm. character advances to like toss onto it. Instead of just like, oh boy, I get, you mean I get to advance my character and get two more points in weapons Mm -hmm. or or god forbid use your xp to refill one of the other ability pools that you previously had to spend just to advance the story like cover god Um, that part's nuts yeah uh pretty disappointing (laughs) All right. Uh, are we are we good and done with yeah. our uh, episode at this like point? It. Awesome. Yeah. Sylvie, would you like to plug anything that you do? Yeah. So I have two podcasts you can listen to. One of them that's actually related to tabletop games is Friends at the Table. It's actual play podcast focused on the thing Austin says at the beginning of each episode. I don't have it memorized, but it's good. It's fun. Critical world building, smart... uh, Characterization and fun interaction between good friends. Hannah made fun of me for not having it on hand once, so now I'm like, I have to have it on hand. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, if you don't know, we're doing a horror season right now, sort of western gothic horror, as Hannah alluded to earlier. Um, And uh, it's been very fun. Um, I think we're like... 25 episodes deep into it now or 26 or so it's been going for a while longer actually yeah there might be i'm I'm i have this problem where because of the way we record and we chop sessions up Mm -hmm. so much i like can't keep straight like what like i know that like the current arc that we we did um the downtime arc we did i believe is either still ongoing or about to be ending um but i don't know the like specific numbers for the episodes for it i threw my Um, phone like across the room onto my bed so i wouldn't mess with it but i'm pretty (laughs) sure i'm pretty sure i got a pocket casts notification earlier today that was like song fiel 32 
Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that much. I thought it was like mid to mid to late 20s, much like myself. Um, so <laughs> I also have Emoji Drome, which is a silly show I do with my friend Morgan, where we review emoji. Um, me saying that made me remember that I actually still need to send them my file for the one we just recorded. Right. Um, so I'm going to do that once I get off this. Right. Um, but yeah, no, that one's very fun. It's a lot less... Um, a lot less dense than Friends of the Table. It is mostly just us shit posting for an hour about um, emojis. So yeah. if you like either of those, check them out. I'm taking a Twitter break, so I'm not going to plug that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emoji Drum Rules, it's one of like the best... Like It's honestly pretty much a hangout podcast, right? Like there's... That's what I think of it as. I, there's like the emoji conceit. What's up? I'll be honest. The first episode of Emoji Drum I ever listened to contained absolutely zero emoji talk. I was really confused. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good one. <laughs> it was. It was a. It was a fun time. I just thought I had the wrong podcast for like forty minutes. There's, <laughs> yeah, I feel like as it's gone on, Morgan and I are just kind of using it as a vehicle to talk about other things. But <laughs> we sometimes still get some. De- you can only talk so much about the same design characteristics that all these companies share mm-hmm. before you have to start going on some tangents about dune yeah um it, it rules frankly when a podcast like kind of is ostensibly about something but it's just a hangout podcast um like there's there's a, a podcast that like a friend of a friend has i don't know if it's any good at all but it's called i am killing you and my understanding <laughs> is that it's just at this point a hangout podcast <laughs> hell of a name yeah, I would, yeah, I would love to, I would I love say to get a pocket proper. cast notification that just says, I am killing you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me, Hannah Yolo, on Twitter.com at Hannah Yolo, which is H-A-N-N-A-H-Y-O-L-E-A-U. This is my only podcast. So uh, make sure to listen to this one if you're not listening to it already. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Great Greeb, uh, and you can find a pinned tweet uh, there to my other podcasts, like Novel Not New, which is a narrative, uh, visual novel and narrative games podcast, and Attention Duelists, the Yu-Gi-Oh podcast I do with my girlfriend, which will come back once she has internet in her apartment again. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, we're about to finish Yu-Gi-Oh, and then we're going to start watching Yu-Gi-Oh. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. Are, are you getting into, like, the, the proper Yu-Gi-Oh that everyone thinks of when they think of Yu-Gi-Oh at yeah, this point? Yeah, we're, we're about to finish the the uh, the Toei series, and then we're going to move on to, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters. Mm-hmm. Pegasus is going to show up. And we're going to watch the English dub, so he's going to be really gay-sounding. Oh, hell yeah. English dub Pegasus is... So... How did, I love that dub. How did they get I away that with dub. that, honestly? <laughs> I don't know, but it's great. It was like the early 2000s. Why was he allowed to sound like that? You know, you look at a character like Maximilian Pegasus and you just, it makes sense. People just heard the voice and went, yeah, that tracks. There is no need for an uproar. And also when they made that choice, did they know that his entire motivation was going to be his wife? (laughs) It's fine. Because yeah. ultimately you find out Pegasus is a wife guy And I think that's the most amazing part of his character He's not gay He's just annoying <laughs> Oh we love him Alright cool 
Uh, Sylvia, it was so lovely to have you on. It was really lovely being on. Yeah, um, thanks for As thanks much for as the system was kind of a letdown, the show was definitely not. Thank Welcome you. Yeah. That's that's something that we've definitely learned, that the real RPG system is the friend that we invited along the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. That's literally how they work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's literally how like it works in practice and like everybody who says that they like Dungeons and Dragons actually just likes having three to five friends. Yeah, no, literally. It's like do you you like hanging out with people. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> I do too. You like you like reasons to get all your friends together either in a room or on a Discord call and make somebody bring pizza. Like and listen. For sure. No problem there. Like we you know, that's the human experience. All right. Uh, the other human experience is hanging up this call and ordering some ramen and patting my belly contentedly. So I'm going to fuck off and do that at this point. All right. All right. Peace. We have no intro. We have no outro. Goodbye. No, until next time, find a better game system than Night's Black Agents. <laughs> until next time, eat shit, Kenneth Height. Yeah. Until next time, That's mutual right. aid. nothing we have said in this podcast has been legally actionable (laughs) (laughs) bye okay i'm gonna hit stop